We're the Pragmatic Doulas. This is a podcast where we talk all about birth and other interesting things. Birth may be a goddess, but she doesn't want to be worshipped. She wants to be respected. She doesn't want incense. She wants common sense. Hello and good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome. How you doing? Welcome to the Pragmatic Duelist Podcast. That is us. We are here today to put ideas in your head, some pragmatic ideas in your in your ear holes and in your head. <laughs> we are ear here holes. to help support and entertain. Yeah, in your ear holes. Hope well, we, are, entertaining. we are going to be entertaining today. We've got a bunch of questions thrown our way. So, yes. And we're when we answer questions, we are entertaining as hell, I like to say. Well, it's funny. I taught a class last night and not too many people were answering, asking questions and things like that. But at least like 60% of them had their cameras on. Um, and they were, and as I was teaching, I could see people like laughing and stuff. I'm like, yes, if I can see that, then I can keep going. I can keep moving forward. And then on sat- the Saturday before I had zero people have their cameras on and I literally wanted to put a bullet in my head. I was <laughs> wanted to just go, you know what? Fuck all of you. I'm out. Like I can't with none of this interaction. I'm basically teaching to my dog who is sitting on the chair across from me and he's he already knows everything. Snoring. <laughs> He's been through enough of this. Like he already knows Jack. Jack could tell you how a baby's born. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I know. I had the same thing, but I will say because it was my first class, people usually are pretty um, like they leave their cameras on mostly during the first class. That's what I, I had a pretty small class this, this time around. And almost everybody except one couple had their cameras on and they kept coming in and out, which is fine. But I bet you by class three, everybody's gotten so comfy they're not going to bother. They're just going to like turn their cameras off, clean their house while they're listening (laughs) whatever. I give, I give up about that. I really do. I hate it. I I mean, I joked about it like four times during the class on Saturday and one couple turned their camera on to ask a question after lunch. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's so good to see you. Hello. And nobody took the bait. And then they eventually turned their camera off. I'm like, fuck all of you. I have no more tricks. So audience, listeners, if you have any tricks as to how to get people to turn their cameras on. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I respect people's need to turn their cameras off. Uh, absolutely. Um, I respect that. But I you also suspect, one. yeah, I suspect that some people just are, you know, just like whatever and just leave it off. And no matter how much I tell them, I'm cool. I don't care if your house is messy. I don't care if you're eating because you're muted anyway. I don't care. Yes. It just makes it easier for me. Do it. Do as a favor to me. Humor the old lady. Turn your cameras on. Oh, I'm going to say that next time. Humor, Humor the, the old lady. Well, and I mean, for me, it's like, I can't tell if my, if everything is frozen, if I can't see you, like if you're frozen, I know I'm frozen, yeah. which means I have to stop talking and wait until I know that things are back. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's technical issues involved in it as well. And if I can have just one person, just one yeah. out of 10 couples, if I can have one, I will speak directly to you. You Maybe if you say, I just thought of something like if you've got all like black screens, if you say, can I have one volunteer to keep the camera on? 
just ask for one. That's not a bad idea. out of, out of like some obligation or sense of duty, we'll just turn it on and leave it on. Yeah. I might, that might help. I might try that one. Actually, that's a good one. I might try that. Yeah. I do have some ideas left. So painful. So how is everybody? How are you guys doing? The carrot muffin. It is like you said, Kim, it is moist. So, it I is. hate that word, but God, it's the only thing that describes a carrot muffin from Tim Hortons. You know what? I, really I never get to the carrot. I always get the raisin bran, which are not as moist. They're kind of dry, but I love them anyway. Carrot are like really butter. Um, I mean, the Tim Hortons ones are good. They've done a good job. But the old country style over on Brock Road in Pickering, they are yeah. the size of your head and they melt like butter and they're really carroty and, and they're just so good. Like they're just so, 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 so good. So if you're ever driving through Pickering, Make sure you hang, go south on Brock Road in Pickering and you hit that old like 1960 country style that's been sitting there forever, still looks beat up and old and nasty, but they make the best donuts and they make the best muffins. All right, there you go. There's a plug and we're not getting paid for that. But if you wanted to send us some carrot muffins, we wouldn't object. We wouldn't <laughs> throw them back at you. No, we would not. So I have a, a little, pro- I got a new thing yesterday that I want to show you guys. Okay, so I have a million pair of readers. This is a new pair of readers. Yes. Uh, right? Yeah. They just look regular readers. Yes. But guess what? They have like little lights in them. I don't think you see that. Yeah. So that you can read it. Sometimes, sometimes my bedside lamp is, a, is after a certain time gets really dull. And this, <gasps> this brightens up the page so much. I need a pair of those levels up my, my seeing. I need a pair of those maybe even without magnification, because I've figured that I actually oftentimes don't need the magnification. I just need it to be brighter. Yes. If it's brighter, I can see it. Yes. Sometimes that is absolutely true. I do need some magnification now at this point. Um, but, but very often, even during the day, I'm reading something and it's just not bright enough in yeah. wherever I am. So yeah, well, these would do it for you. And there, you don't have to choose this level of like super high magnification like I did. I mean, I think these are only like 275, but that's pretty high for me. I started out at like 175 back, you know, like 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, but oh my gosh, last night I was in heaven. And I mean, if you sleep with somebody, I don't, I just use them for the extra brightness. But if you sleep with somebody who's annoyed by your late night reading, here's, here's your answer. There you go. This can just keep the light on the page and then the person can like drift off to sleep without you bugging them. I will also say that these, the lights that come on, they're on either side of the frames, right? Right. The TV that sits across from my bed, because it was all dark, there was like the two, these two bright lights, like two eyes. So that was a little spooky. Ziggy went like running to the end of the bed, wondering, what is that? And every time I moved my head, and so then the, the eyes moved, Ziggy would be like, what is that? What is that? Till finally she got <laughs> used to it. But yeah, that's the thing. It reflects, of course, in like dark windows and TV. So, but they're great. They're 35 bucks at Shoppers Drug Mart, which is way more than I would normally pay. Yeah. But I've been wanting them for, and they come with like extra batteries and a case. So... Nice. That's my new thing. That's nice. New thing. Shoppers, right? Yep. Shoppers Drug Mart. 
I think I'm going to have to pick those up for Roger. He has not admitted to the general public, I've let it out of the bag now, that he's recently started wearing readers. <laughs> okay, but he's old like us. Like, I mean, <laughs> is he still hanging on to that? The no, last I can do 20 vision. I can do 50 push ups. I can do what if all the things I used to do when I was 25. Nothing's changed. Yeah. Well, he's gone for he's gone for a golfing weekend, right? Yeah, he's gone. You bet his ass he's going to be broken by the time he gets back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> remind him, you went to play golf, my honey. It's not like you went to play. It's not like you went to like a basketball weekend or hockey weekend, a sport that requires sweating. I know that <laughs> golf is actually a real sport, but nobody can convince me that it's the same amount of physical activity. Uh, I golf. I fucking know it's not. <laughs> That's why so many old people golf. It's such a peaceful, uh, a very, it's a nice sport, but it doesn't require you to like sweat profusely and risk breaking an ankle. It's so, high intensity interval training, like you no. do with basketball and soccer and everything. It's like yeah. a nice steady roll. Right. Right. So when he comes back busted up from a golf weekend, just hand him those readers and say, here you go, sweetie, just lie down and read a book. <laughs> Well, he let me make you an ice bath. <laughs> I have to tell you that I am so excited that I, I have finally, like it took me a long time, I guess maybe about 10 years ago, I finally got him to read books. Like there's not work related and stuff like that. I actually got him to read like a novel because mm. he claimed he's not a reader, right? Mm -hmm. And I turned him on to the, again, the Dan Brown stuff, starting with Da Vinci Code. I'm like, just sit your ass down and read it. You enjoyed the movie. You like that historical shit. Here it is. So, and he took it, and of course, he ran with it. And then he he gets out of it like ebbs and flows. But he took the Will Smith biography with him on the airplane. And the first thing he did when he got to his brother's house was call me. He's like, "You have to read this." And I'm like, "Okay, we've got next level." Now he's celebrating what he's reading. He has to share it with somebody. That's hilarious. Very often, biographies are a good thing, good way to to get people who don't like reading into reading, get them to read a biography of somebody that they like. Yeah. Yes, and yes. I will happily say that finally, one of my sister's bad children, I'm just joking, they're all great children. Well, my sister has four children and her three older children are all girls and they have, they have turned their nose up for years to Harry Potter. And it has oh, squeezed my heart so badly I've tried and tried and tried to get them into Harry Potter. And I'm like, no, I refuse. I don't like it. I'm not interested in boy wizards. Well, she, she, her last child, my lovely nephew, Miguel, who's almost 10, going to be 10 in a couple of months. Uh, he said, he would, he said, I will try it out, Tia. I will, tr I'll try it just for you. And I said, bless your heart, Miguel, because he's a huge reader. So they got him the first book. And within an hour, he messaged me and said, oh my gosh, Tia, I just finished chapter one and I love it. Nice. So finally, that family has redeemed itself. They're on their way out. <laughs> but we really need to reinstate our book club. I mean, we really need to get our asses back into that. Yeah. I do miss, I do miss those discussions, particularly with uh, Carissa. That's right. We really do. Maybe we should just read. We should just broaden our horizons that and the books don't need to be about birth specifically. I mean, we're we're more than just doulas and birth workers. Maybe we could just 
um, just do any old, just like as a break, we can just review any old book, talk about any old book. It doesn't have to be uh, about birth. We could have themes like books from the written in the eighties, books published by Canadian women or whatever, stuff like that. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about that. What, right? what say you audience message us and let yes. us know let what us you know. Think. If you feel very strongly about this, yay let or nay, know. let us know. You can email us. Consider at- your opinion. We really will consider and then do what we want anyway, but we will consider <laughs> your opinion. <laughs> which is how it works in my house with my children. <laughs> so if you, if you do have something, if you do have a comment you'd like to share about our book club, please feel free to email us at the pragmatic at gmail.com. So over the past few weeks, Oh, does anybody have anything else to share? Um, I was just going to read our. Oh, yes. Comment. Sorry. Oh, isn't it my turn? Oh, it is said it? on the air table that it was me. Yeah. Oh. Okay, never mind. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I just uh, thought it was me. Somebody should pick to do it. I have it in front of me, so why don't I do it? All right. Okay. Excellent. Okay. Um, we would and like- dead air. <laughs> Sorry. I had to kick my dog. Um, not hard, just like gave him a little shove because he's starting to snore. Um, We would like to recognize and acknowledge the traditional land and territory on which today's gathering of the pragmatic doulas is taking place, or at least my gathering over here in Ajax. It is important to make note of the relational and contextual quality of land acknowledgement protocols. An acknowledgement of traditional territory is an invitation to reflect on personal relationships with indigenous nations. When we acknowledge treaty, we are asking individuals to explore their rights, their responsibilities to the place and the people. When the land is acknowledged, we are encouraging you to seek out the history and the teachings of the natural world. We would like to begin by acknowledging that this is the land on which we gather is the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe Mississauga, adjacent to the Mississaugas of Scugog Island First Nation, and in the territory covered by the Williams Treaty. This place is and will continue to be home to Indigenous peoples. Let us move forward together with kindness, respect, and acknowledgement of the damages done. Thank you all. Yo, thank you. Excellent. Miigwech. Awesome. So we have uh, gotten over the past few weeks and have not acknowledged (laughs) these questions. (laughs) Um, We have gotten over the last few weeks some questions, but we've been um sort of remiss in answering them so that is what today is going to be all be about answering your questions doulas um and maybe maybe we can do this like once a month or something like that or or whatever if people send in more questions so we can save them up and have a have a your uh, answer your questions uh episode so these questions came to us uh individually and through the um the pragmatic doulas at gmail.com uh, email address. And yeah, who wants to start? Who would I think when we were discussing, we had said that we we're going to start with my first yes, one. Because that's a really good one and, and appropriate. It's a good one and could truly, truly be a big topic that we could dive into. But since it's one of the list of questions, we are going to, I kind of, mm, amended it a little bit and uh this question came to me from one of my mentees named Che and um 
And the question is if we could give some quick tips. So that's why we're trying to not, we could dive deep, but we're just going to do quick tips for helping our, our clients self-advocate. Like what can we do as doulas to instill, um, uh, some skills or some tips or strategies to into our clients for advocating for themselves because we're not always there and and advocacy might be a part of our doula support but by and large this is our that birthing person's journey and to yeah. some extent they need to be able to step stand up and say hey actually these this is the direction i want to go in. how do we how do we as doulas do that if we could just give them some quick tips all right Steph, do you wanna do you have a an answer? Um, so I have a quick answer, and it depends on how the person is asking me. So if I'm chatting with a client about heading into birth, and you know, there's more and more discussion now about people being honest about birth trauma that they've experienced, and it's not always physical, it's sometimes the feeling of coercion. Mm -hmm. Um, so I always encourage clients to come in with a sense in their body. If whether, because these days we haven't been in hospital with clients, right? So we're not getting to read the room as a doula, uh, but the client is. So I always encourage them to go into any discussion ahead of birth or in birth with the assumption that everyone is on the same page for discussing healthy birth. If you are assuming that a doctor or a nurse, even if they are, is coming to you or a midwife with information that feels coercive, ask a question as if you were asking someone who is the same, like with the same intention of you. Because our energy, when we come back, when we're discussing it with them can feel really, it can create that defensiveness, which then opens the door for someone to say, well, don't you care about your baby or those type of conversations that we've all heard. Yeah. But if you generally ask someone like going through the brain breakdown um, with the feeling in your body that Everyone here wants me to have a healthy baby. So let's talk about the benefits of your, um, of your recommendation. Let's talk about the risks. Uh, what alternatives do we see? What's your, um, then asking yourself, how am I feeling about it? What's my interruption, intuition? And then, so what would be the next steps if we do nothing? What can I expect if we do nothing? And if you ask questions of someone else with curiosity and not defensiveness, it almost always brings the other person into a curiosity discussion with you. This goes for birth. This goes for talking to your neighbor. This goes talking to pretty much anyone. If you come with curiosity, you can almost always dismantle oh. someone who might assume, sorry for that wine, that's Winston. What the um, f was that? Winston whining because- like a human. I thought it was a baby. And I looked around like, <laughs> I don't have one of those. That is what Winston, the, the wild one, sounds like when he's not getting his way. He wants to be up on my bed right now. He's not. Um, Got it. Okay. Anyhow, that my goal isn't always the advocacy as an individual piece. It's the advocacy as your state of mind in wanting to have open discussions with your doctor. And I have people practice with their partner. Oh, okay. Your partner has upset you. <laughs> I ask you to try using oh. curiosity. Well, Oh, Winston, hush. Um, <laughs> I asked them to try and use curiosity to get to the bottom of what they, what the hell the partner thought they were doing when they upset you. Right. You know, but because it, it takes, it takes practice. It is not, especially when we're in a power dynamic like doctor and patient, um, it doesn't, oh, hush. 
uh, <laughs> it we we come into it culturally often like there is a power dynamic where someone is um, has more power than you as opposed to you being them being a tool to access information for yourself well and that's just it right like i mean i think i hear i hear clients and whatnot say you know or potential clients and whatnot say, you know, well, I, I just want to trust the doctor. Like, I just, I don't care about any of this stuff. I just want to trust the doctor and, and the nurses, and I'm just going to go in and, you know, surrender to them. And again, we've talked about that. That's fine. Whatever you want to do, that's fine. But I also, at the same time, like, especially in my classes, I will, I will, we talk about sort of what questions to ask. And they're really just general questions, you know, like what could happen as you say, like curiosity questions, what could happen if we do X, Y, Z, what could happen if we don't do X, Y, Z, like what are, what are our options? Can we explore any of this stuff? Because I think, and, and encouraging them to say, you know, look, that's what they're there for. That's yes. They're there to make sure you have healthy baby, healthy parent, but they're also there to answer your questions. And we need to understand that what happens and how you feel about the birth afterwards is not only going to affect you physically, but mentally as well. And it's important to make sure that we are having those, you are having those with, with your care provider and that you feel comfortable asking those questions. And it's okay to ask those questions. And they're not going to go, oh, that person in room three is what a given me, they're such a pain in the ass, you know, they're asking all these questions. They want to answer those questions. And again, as you say, Steph, when you're asking in that curiosity type way, I mean, who doesn't, I'm the worst for it. Anybody asked me about, well, what is, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, let me sit down, roll up my sleeves and let's, let's start talking about this. And I will give you every minute like childbirth educator in you. Oh my God. I know. It's like, it's crazy. Um, and, and I, and I have to, I have to honestly feel that for the most part, you know, most care providers do feel the same way and nurses will feel the same way as well. Um, like for, so my, the client I just had, the virtual client I just had, um, had went in for an induction on Sunday morning, got the Foley, got sent home, came back at 10 o'clock and the Foley hadn't really done anything and they were going to start Pitocin. And she explained that this is what was happening. And I, and she said, you know, but I'm just so tired. And I said, you know what, why don't you ask them if you can go home? Because they had already said that baby was doing really, really well. Why don't you ask them if you can go home and come back in the morning? And she's like, oh yeah. Why don't I do that? Can I do that? I'm like, you can do anything you damn well please, but sure, why not? Why don't why don't we see see what they say? And if they don't, if they give an answer like, well, we're worried about the baby, blah blah blah. Fair enough, but let's uh, let's wait and see. And sure enough, they said, yeah, that's no problem. We're just going to monitor baby for another um, hour or so, and then yeah, you can go home and come back at eight in the morning. So she went home, had a good night's sleep, and then came back, and the pitocin oh, and everything glorious. Started. Yeah, so. I mean, sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, encouraging your clients to ask those simple questions, you know, you know what, let's just see what happens. Let's ask this question and see what happens. And you might have that doctor that says, Ugh, right to your face. Why are we talking about this? You could have just a grumpy old fart, but that grumpy old fart still has the answers to, you, to the questions you'd like answered. So you still, you, I mean, you can react to that person or you know what you want your birth experience to be. 
You know what energy you want to remember and carry in your body. And for as much as someone might be a grumpy old fart anywhere in your life, including this, you can, you can still access the information you need. And if they don't, then that is where having a doula is awesome, where you can, even if we're not in the room with us, call up and say, you know what, they were really resistant or felt really felt in their, got all in their feelings about me asking some questions. So I just like access to this information so I could make a good decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's kind of my biggest tip or the one tip that I would think of has to do with education and asking questions also. As doulas, we are holders of far more information than our clients are. So if, for instance, I have a client and we know, my client and I, we know that induction is kind of looming on the horizon. It's been mentioned and it might be something that's going to come up and the client feels uh, ambivalent about it, or even downright resistant to it. They've got questions about whether their situation warrants induction, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it might be helpful for the doula. I mean, I, it is helpful for the doula to suggest different resources for the client to dig into and educate themselves about induction. How does induction work? Why might you need an induction? What are the risks of this, that, and the other thing in your situation? So that when it comes up, when you're sitting in that doctor's office and the doctor's saying, this is what uh, we're going to be doing, the client can then say, actually, um, in a study that came out last year, because my doula, Stephanie, who <laughs> has memorized all studies possible, uh, said that blah, blah, blah. You can be more of an active participant um, and formulate better questions with your care provider than if you are uninformed. So. We are the holders of a lot of the keys to that giving, uh, try this website, try that website, read this book, talk to this person, listen to this TED talk or YouTube video or or whatever to help educate our clients about their particular situation. So they go in there knowing their shit. Mm -hmm. That's, that to me is like step one of being a self, you're going to, you're going to say to your, well, I don't want to be induced. Okay, but here, the, then the doctor's going to hit you with all the reasons why they want you to be induced. Mm-hmm. And you're simply going to be sitting there saying, well, I just don't feel like it, which again, is totally, totally valid. valid, totally valid. But in order to bring your care providers more closer to where you stand is to define where you stand. Mm-hmm. Say, well, here are my thoughts. Here are my feelings. This is why I feel this way. This is what I found out. I'm not saying that my Google research trumps your medical degree but here are some thoughts that I've been having what do you think and have that open dialogue with your caregiver and if you're still not convinced you're in a much better place to say "Mm, I'm still not on board and that's the that that's the whole thing of informed consent and informed refusal Mm -hmm. right because they're they're two sides of the same coin and I and I think it's important you know even if you know, you've got a client that's like, yeah, no, I'm just going to go in and and do whatever they tell me to do again, totally fine. And I respect that. But if they have this information already in the back of their head, they're going to know that if something hinky is coming up, that that doesn't fit. And if something is being done that gives them that sort of widgies in their gut to say, I don't know about this, but I trust the doctor they have that information sort of in the back of their brain to say, Hey, we're good. Right. Absolutely. So, so I, so again, I mean, I think the, the quick answers are going to be education, 
encouraging self-advocacy um, and, you know, giving them, giving them the power, giving them, it's not the, uh, giving them their own power to advocate for themselves, I think is what I want to say. Yes. It's like a mindset. It really <sighs> is like a mindset going into it with, and, and cause it doesn't, your mindset is your mindset, no matter what situation you go into. So if you truly believe, which again, in particular, and in particular women often are, you know, we're told to be polite, to be quiet, to be nice. Um, and that questioning doctors, and we've heard this often, even from our own mothers to not, and our grandmothers, or we've watched it unfold that, um, if you get pushback, particularly from a male who is an authority figure that, you know, you need to listen to that, mm -hmm. but you shouldn't listen to it at, to the, you know, to, and ignore yourself. If yeah. your questions are not answered, then your questions are still not answered. And it is okay for you to assert yourself, not be an asshole. I'm not walking no. in there telling people how to do their job. I'm walking in there telling them how I need to do my job in order for me to labor and birth and feel well supported. Here's what I need from you. Um, are you able to give that to me? Cause you're supposedly the specialist. So let's specialize. <laughs> Let me understand yeah. the information you have. And, and I'll often say to clients like, look, or my students and stuff and say, look, <clears throat> there's something that you want to do. There's something specific that you want to have happen. Go in and to your doctor and say, Hey, this is, I've done my research. This is what I, I would like to do. How can you help me facilitate this? What can you do to help me? Okay. So, and if, and the answer isn't going to be, well, I'm not going to help you because guess what? You're fucking doctor. You're supposed to. Yeah. Right. Then you go, okay, well, all right, let's, let's talk about this. And then, then, then there's discussion and then there's dialogue. Right. And this is not victim blaming. This is, you're not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. This is, I want you to have the best possible outcome. We can't guarantee it. We can't guarantee you, you'll even have nice people but we can guarantee that you know how to ask questions. We can guarantee that you can feel worthy of asking questions. Yep. Um, and, and, and with your own agency and your own power. And, that's and, right. and that might mean literally you might have such agency over yourself that you recognize when you go in, that this is not a safe place for you to birth. Absolutely. If you feel confident in these people, you can literally, thankfully here where we are, you literally in active labor can walk out of one hospital and walk into another because they can't ask you to leave if you're in active labor. No, no, they can't stop you. They can't stop you from leaving either. No, so you you can change positions. It is not the recommendation and that's not the purpose. The purpose is for you to go in feeling great, engage, you know, team you um, with letting everybody know, here's what's really important to me today. I, I love information or I don't. I just want to ride this ride. You guys just direct me the way I need to go. Um, but feeling comfortable, the advocacy is simply being able to express what it is you need and access those things. Yep. Yep. Team you, as you say, exactly. team, team you, this is, we're a team. How are we going to all work together to help facilitate um, my best birth? And that is going to start before you get into labor and delivery. Okay. Yes. This is going to start in the discussions that you have with your care provider in the final weeks of your pregnancy, or even day one of you meeting your care provider. Yes. Like, oh, yes. 
as you feel that through, and I think it's, I think it's important. Now I know this is sort of the case in our hospital. I don't know if this is the case in all hospitals, but generally speaking, if you've got your care provider and they're just terrible and they're not answering any of your questions and, and, you know, you just have that icky feeling. I think it's fair to assume that when you get into the hospital and you may not actually have your care provider, it's going to be the same thing because that, that, that is likely the culture of the hospital. But if you've got a care provider who is, you know, great and answering your questions and will sit down with you and, you know, take a few minutes to, you know, talk to you about XYZ or whatever and explain to you what's happening, then I think it's fair to assume for the most part, and obviously there's going to be the odd exception to this rule, but for the most part, that's again, the culture of the hospital that you've chosen to birth in. So that advocacy and, and whatnot starts way at the beginning. Yes. And then it's going to follow through. And ask questions of your friends who birth there who have the same mindset as you. Like if your friend is the person who, you know, just wants to ride the ride and that ha- like is very, you know, technology positive and wants all of the things and all of the monitoring and all the epidurals and all the things, then that's probably not the same person you're going to ask if you're the person who's at the opposite end, who's a minimalist, doesn't really like to be touched, doesn't like to be talked to, doesn't want, um, wants everything to just unfold like spontaneously, then you don't ask that person what their experience was. <laughs> you ask someone who wants the same thing as you, who kind of has the same mindset as you, or the same types of support and communication style as you before you choose where you're going. Excellent. All right. See, this is why we said that this is the topic that we could really spend a lot of time diving into yeah. because we still have other questions that we need to get through. So thank you for that question. That was one of uh, uh, my um mentees that uh, passed that question on to me. Excellent. Um, So I have a quick one, actually, this probably won't take too much time, but um, from Rachel uh, came to me personally, should you put your prices on your website? Ooh, this is what you want to do. (laughs) And there's the answer, right? Do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. But maybe we could share what we actually do and why we do it. I do. I have my prices. I do. Uh, yeah. And, and I, uh, and we always have like St- Steph and I share a website, like we always have. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was always my feeling and belief when, even when we first started and got a website that, you know, look, I just want people to know what the deal is. Here's, this is the price. This is what I'm charging. Right. So that I know some people will say, well, don't put it on so that you can sell (laughs) your services um, to that individual. And it's like, "Mm, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand what that means. Yeah. Like what do you mean? I'm already selling my services, but like talk them into it. Like a used car salesman. They could pay more. I don't know. Well, it's funny. Many, many. I'm going to say like the people who do not put their their uh prices on their websites or in their marketing materials or whatever do 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 they charge other people differently yeah i'm just gonna say is it their intention to try to like get as much out of people as possible because this is these are my services this is how much it costs my services are really fantastic and they're great and i'm really good at this and this is how much it costs yeah like what i don't understand i don't know what and i I stand by this i i stand by the fact that i am worth this much period So here's how much it is. It's so much money that we can't put it on here. But if you can't, you can't afford it. 
you have to ask you can't afford it talk talk you into it so yes. that you can be i can convince convince you when i reveal the price that you're going to be like oh that's a lot but you've really really convinced us that it's worth it well i is yeah. that it is that how I, that works I, I don't know i get it's funny a long long time ago many many years ago when i was first becoming a doula um and i was on the doula care board and i there was somebody who was on the board she may have even been president. I can't quite remember. Um, but she apparently would, she never told people the price until she showed up at their house for an interview. And depending on the size of the house and the cars that were in the driveway, that's when she, re- that's when she would reveal she, her she, price. She had like tears of yeah. pricing. Yeah. And I thought that is literally the sketchiest fucking bullshit. Yeah, I was going to say that feels really, um, that makes me feel icky. Why not just say that you have a sliding scale then? Yeah. And then say, here are my sliding scale prices. And, um, I don't, I don't even know how that works prop like ethically because it's I just don't ever shit. go there. This yeah. is how much it costs. And that's that there yeah. are circumstances where like I have found different ways to offer low cost or no cost doula services to people without it being sketchy and underhanded and weird like yeah. that. Yeah. So as I say, I mean, I, I have, I want, I want to be upfront. I want to be up and up. If you can't afford these, you can still contact me and I'll see what I can do about finding somebody else for you. But for the most part, this is my price. And, and I've worked really, really hard and the information that I have and the, the resources that I have available to me and who I am as a doula, having done this for 16 years, this is how much I cost. And that's it. I can't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to change my price. Um, there's other doulas out there. If you need it to be cheaper, that will 100% help you out, but I can't. What you say about us? <laughs> For me, it's just about wasting time. I don't fucking want to talk to people I don't know. No, exactly. That's the other side, right? I want to be able to come to my site, see what they're getting, see the price. If it's in your budget, great. There's an, an option to chat. Then, then they can move ahead to chat with us and find out if we feel like a good match. Mm-hmm. The price is just one part of it. Yeah. So, I mean, you you cannot get to know somebody from your website. You can know about them. You can see a picture of them. You can see their credentials and how many kids they have, if any, and whatever they choose to share. But people are generally speaking going to start with what they can budget for a service. Yep. And so if I don't fall in that budget, I'm not going to waste your time getting you on the phone to have you fall in love with me because I'm fucking amazing and then find out that you can't afford me. Exactly. That's my, I'm always remembering what it's like to be poor. Yeah. yeah I ain't so got poor. no money. When you haven't got any money, but you need something, a service, let's say, you need to shop around. And I need to, it doesn't matter to me how amazing you are. If I can't fucking afford you, I can't fucking afford you. Yep. Period. No matter how great you are. So then you're just out. You're out. So I'm not only don't want to waste my time, I don't want to waste your time either. There are people who are literally looking around and saying, geez, man, I wish I could afford that full tier dual service, but I can't. Here's somebody who's offering straight up just, just birth support, no prenatals or vice versa or whatever. And they're charged or virtual and they're charging this amount and I can't afford that. So I'm going to, I'm going to aim for that, even though sure, I'd love to be able to pay $1,500 for the full thing, but I can't. 
So let me look somewhere else. And it also helps people to get an idea of what the market is in yeah. doula services. You look yeah. at 10 websites of doulas in Toronto, you'll get a good idea of the range. Yeah. And so you'll say, okay, this is how much this shit is costing. I'm out because I'm way, I'm way under that. Or yeah, this is really good. We can do this. I think it gives people good information and it helps people make <laughs> informed choices um, in a timely way. I just don't understand. And I know that there are business people, other types of entrepreneurs who firmly believe not putting prices on your website. I'd like to hear from them. Write us, tell us, email us. If you are, give me like a good pragmatic, practical reason why it makes sense to not put your prices. I've got one. I'd like to know. So there was, so there was this discussion before I I was listening to someone else's discussion about it. And they had said specifically that the people they want to work for are people for whom this money is not an issue. Fair enough. If that's their target audience. Yeah. So they want someone who wants to call and find out the fee because it's not a big part of their decision-making. Fair enough. Okay. So then why... So here's the thing, they'll go around to all the rest of the websites to gather the average, right? And then assume that other doulas who might be closer to them or someone recommended would be around that price um, before they call. They might use other people's website to find the baseline. And then if they like someone, they might be willing to pay a little bit more if they get them on the phone. But, um, but yeah, they want people to be calling for whom this is a luxury. And this is not something that they are having to work to budget for. Fair enough. So even if I'm if I if I'm a rich person, right? This is what my father used to say, rich people, when he heard when he heard that Madonna had a diamond studded bra that she had insured for a million dollars, he said, uh, in his old Jamaican man way, she rich till she turned fool. He's referring to people who have so much money that they do all kinds of stupid shit with their money, mm. right? So if I'm really rich and I want a doula and you are a doula who I'm interviewing and you are charging double what all the other doulas in the city are charging, am I so, because I'm rich and I can just throw any amount of money I want, am I just going to, you're not offering me any more services than the other person who's charging half that money, but I'm going to take you, I'm going to hire you just because you charge more. You're going to have to be giving me more for my money, even though I can afford it. I still, I mean, are rich people like stupid like that? I think Should it depends. I think, them? I think it depends on, on how rich you are because there's rich who will penny and there's, every last and there's, time. And that's why they have money. And then, and then there's, the, there's wealthy who don't fucking care. There's wealthy. Yeah. There's, there's the ultra wealthy who just don't give a shit. Now let's be honest. I don't want to, I personally don't want to work with those people. I just, I want to work with the people that, I don't know, my target audience is, is such that I want to work with people that want my knowledge that, you know, respect and, and will pay for that knowledge. I don't want someone who's just going to, because I mean, the, the couple of times that I have worked with people that have been like stupid rich. They haven't listened to what I've said. They haven't taken in any of the information I gave them. They went in, they ended up, you know, having, I guess, an okay birth. I mean, maybe in their head it was, but it just wasn't a pleasing experience for me. Mm -hmm. 
And I thought, I don't, this is, you're not my target audience. I don't care if you can pay for my services. This is wholly unsatisfying for me. I want people that want to hear what I have to say, that want to have the knowledge of what's happening to them, that want to know why their body is doing X, Y, Z, and their baby is turning, and we're going to do this position because that's going to make this happen and da, 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 da. But that's who I am because I'm talk way too much. And I just have so much crap in my head that I want to vomit out to you. So if you want to be the person that hears all of that, you're my target audience. I've had some pretty uh, wealthy clients, a couple of clients on um, off of post road there. Like I would say generational wealthy kind of people. Uh, And they were fantastic. Drake's neighborhood. Drake's Uh, neighborhood. I, I, and I had a, that was a very good experience, but these were, these people probably were not the, your, I don't know, the stereotypical rich people mm-hmm. because they were very down to earth, very, very sort of ordinary people. But you could tell by the way that they lived, they, they were used to having money and that money, okay. was not, they made decisions, not based on money, based on other things, value and, right. and quality. So I, I deeply respected them and they seemed like they deeply respected me. It was great. It was a very good experience. Um, but I still would say to them, these are my prices just because you can afford 10 times more. Doesn't mean I'm going to, these are my, I would charge you 10 times more. No, these are my prices. That's all. So what I would give me a tip afterwards, (laughs) if you feel I'm worth 10 times more, feel free to pay me 10 times more, but these are my prices. And I just feel that feels squirmy and gross to say, icky, right? It feels icky. Yeah. Because these are the kind of people I want to work with. Therefore, I don't put my, my, and so then I jack up my prices and see what they say. You, you show up at their post road home and go, all right, I'm just going to write down in the, in the contract yeah. here, how much the thing yeah. is. <laughs> post road. And then you flip through your thing. Uh-huh. That's this category, this, this tax bracket. I'm going to pull out this one. <laughs> yeah. This is you go with like five different contracts, right? Yeah. If your income is between here and here, sign this contract. I don't, that feels really gross. Yeah, it does feel gross. And that's all. That's, that's all I, I, I simply could not imagine say charging, you know, $5,000 for my doula services simply because my clients could afford it because I can't fucking provide $5,000 worth of like, what the <laughs> What the hell more good? Like I would feel so bad if I gave them like, you know, their thousand dollar, their thousand dollar service for five thousand dollars. I'd like want to live there for a week just and not eat any of their food. Right. Maybe that's what that's what what else I could offer, which at my age in this stage of my life, I'm not doing that. Um but I don't have any other certifications. I'm not a registered massage therapist. I'm not a naturopath. I'm not, not anything except just this. So it's not like I could tag on here's this service and here's that service. Even if you tagged on placenta and capsulation stuff, how much more is that? How much more, how much more is, you know, 10 breastfeeding sessions even like. I do have a couple hundred bucks. good when a client, uh, so I'm so bold now as compared to how I used to be, but when I'm at the end of a birth and I'm leaving or the, you know, a couple of days go past and you go visit with your clients and it's quite often the partner who goes, you do not charge enough. And I used to just say, oh, thank you. And be able to mirror and shit like that. Now I'm like, look, I accept tips. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, they're paying more. (laughs) The 
this is hurting your heart? Give me more money. What the hell, man? Don't Please sit there. Me. Don't sit there in agony. Just give me more money. So much. Your I, pain. I, yeah, I don't want to hurt you. Here's your options. Let me, let me, I'm a doula. Let me offer you your options. Um, I accept Amazon gift cards, but um, <laughs> actually recently, so I was doing pre-birth VBAC support for a client and um, she's just someone who enjoys banter and stuff like that. And it was about a month before her baby was due and her anxiety was up and we were chatting quite a bit and she messaged me and she goes, um, where do you like gift cards from? And I'm like, uh, everywhere. And she's like, how about Amazon? I'm like, yeah. And next thing I know, there's a $200 Amazon gift card in my email. And she's like, you don't charge enough. And I want to say thank you for just being available for my questions. I'm like, that's already part of the deal. But great. Thank you so very much. I've so, gotten gift cards from grandparents. Yeah. Oh, nice. A $300 voucher for a beautiful plant place. That's how I got started on my crazy plant obsession is because I got that that um three hundred dollars when i first started out i one of my first paying clients um i charged them like less than half of what the the pricing really was um in toronto and which was like four i think i think i charged them like 400 bucks and it was a great birth like i fucking love this birth this was the best birth it's top five and when it was over, um, and I went for the, the postnatal visits and whatnot, they, the dad who didn't speak English, he spoke Mandarin or Cantonese, um, as I was leaving, handed me an envelope and just, you know, just, here's the envelope. And I, okay, thank you. All right. You know, call me if you have any other questions or if there's anything else you need, blah, blah, blah. When I got, I don't even think I opened the envelope until I got home. And I opened when I got home was like another a hundred dollars. I was like, oh my God. Like I thought, and it was cash and it was like, <laughs> oh my God, this is the best thing ever. I thought I had died and gone to heaven ha get, getting a tip. I thought it was the best thing. Yeah. Yeah, I've gotten a generous tip from the dad too. And I had given them a discount because they were repeat clients. And he literally was waiting for me around the corner when I was leaving. Everything was all done and over with and I was going home. And he kind of like ambushed me. Hey, Suzanne, listen. And he just kind of like put the money in my pocket and said, please, please, please. You've helped us so much. Thank you. Thank you. And then walked away. And I was like, what was that? And I 300 more bucks in my nice. pocket. Yeah. So that's that's nice. That's very nice when we hear that. So bottom line is we all believe that you need to be upfront with your pricing for a variety of reasons. But ultimately, if, ultimately, your decision. you, yes, if you want to not do it and cater to certain, whatever, that's your business. That's your you, business. You do you, you do you and we'll do we. Okay, yeah. good. Thank you. Thank you for that question. Rachel. Rachel. Yeah. Hmm. All right, Steph, you got one? I do. Just one sec. Let me grab it. Dun, dun, dun. Grab it. That was not sitting in front of you. We prepared for this. I'm closer. I'm closer. Um, so I got two questions, actually. The first is, asked of all of us, after completing training, if each one of you could recommend one business thing and one personal thing a new doula should put in place for themselves, what would those things be? So we've got a new doula who's coming to you saying, basically right out of the gate, no website up, no nothing. They're just 
coming out raw, what do you want them to know? One thing personal and one thing business related or actual doula related. What do you think? Hmm. For me, well, it, my big thing is just to start out, have your client management system set up, whether to determine whether you are in an online organizational person or if you need something in your hands, you have paper files. Determine which one that is and find your system and stick to it. So, and I do, I think I would indicate what should be in there. So when your client has a file, all of their websites, all your, or all of their paperwork, agreements, contract, due date, um, if they've loaned, like borrowed any books or anything from you, keep everything together in that one file and keep them, keep all your clients that are in each month also in another file. So within like your October file, you'll have two clients. Within your you know, March file, you'll have two clients or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, keep them all together in order. That would be my like business related, set yourself up for success so you're not confused and forgetting you have appointments situation. And the personal one is always taking one day a week or at least booking half a day every single week for yourself to just do things that make you happy that are not doula related. Read a book, you know, go for a walk, talk to, talk to other doulas. Like it doesn't even have to be doula related professionally, but maybe network with other doulas, do things that fill your cup at least once a week, book it off, make sure it happens. Even if it's just binging something on television, make sure you book time for it to happen because otherwise it won't happen. Got it. Cool. Not in today's world. How about you guys? So I'll, I'll, I'll go because um, uh -huh. I'm going to have to go to the bathroom when this is over. <laughs> um, Business-wise, so I, I would, I mean, I want to say get a mentor, but that seems way too general. Um, but I think, I don't, business-wise, I want to say set up a website. I mean, I'm ridiculously website nuts. I'm like forever working on our website constantly, at least weekly, if not every couple of days. Um, I think that's important. And personally, okay, this is from my own experience. Personally, when you become a doula, you need to sit down with your family and you need to explain to them what your job is. You need to explain to them that there's going to be periods of time where you're just going to be rushing out the door to go help a family and you, whatever is happening in the home, you cannot deal with. And that when you come back, you're going to need a period of time to decompress and have conversations with your partners that your, your, your spouse, your life partner, whatever, that partner, if you are feeling like I'm neglecting you, if you are feeling like something is going is wrong, if you feel like our relationship is crumbling apart because of my job, you need to speak up and you need to tell me. And we need to sit down and have a conversation so that we can figure out how I can still do my work that I love, but you don't feel neglected and the children don't feel neglected and all of this stuff. Because unfortunately, as a doula, you will give so much of yourself to others that there isn't going to be a whole lot left for your family. And you need to tell them that if it's not working for them, they need to speak up and not just suffer in silence. And then one day walk out the door. 
Got it. That's my, that's my big thing. Well, mine are kind of interesting. I'm kind of having a hard time finding where the, the business and the personal, they seem kind of related to me, but I was going to say, get a mentor like you, like yeah. you were saying. Uh, and yeah, it's a general, put a call out there, ask people for recommendations. And don't ask them to do it for free. And don't ask them to do it for free. No, no. And um, I just really think that even after formal and official training, you need somebody who's been doing it for a while to talk about these sorts of things, about the day-to-day operations of how to be a birth worker. So Mm -hmm. that's one thing. Yes. I'm also going to say, and this feels like both business and personal, to define what your boundaries are. Define clearly what your boundaries are. Your pricing. Okay. Your, what's fair? What do you feel is fair? Your hours of operation. When will you be available for clients? Will you do meetings in the evenings or on the weekends? Will you do postpartum visits on the weekends or evenings? Uh, what your uh, the co- put those kind of things in your in your contract, and um, so define your boundaries. And you can best do that by talking to your mentor or networking mm-hmm. with other doulas. And then the other like very, very personal thing that I would suggest you do is to get into a routine with each and every client. If you're, you have a client that, you know, you're going to be working with, like they've got a due date of, you know, March 15th, this has saved my life on more than one occasion. And I have fallen on my face when I've neglected this, develop a routine of like robust self-care in the weeks leading up to that due date. If you are 27 right now, new doula, this might not make a big difference for you. (laughs) This won't make sense to you until you're 50. (laughs) Yeah. But the key to longevity in this business is to freaking know those boundaries and take care of yourself. You, you, like Kim said before, I'm going to be like running out the door. That is what it's going to look like to your kids and your, your partner that you're grabbing stuff and just leaving. But what they don't know is that you've been going to bed at nine o'clock for two weeks. You've been drinking all your water. You've been eating a salad every day. You've been doing your meditation and going for walks in the sunshine every day for two weeks. So that when you hit, when that day comes where your client's like, oh my God, I need you to come. I'm, a, I'm going to the hospital. You're ready physically, mm-hmm. mentally, and emotionally. You are ready. Your, your birth bag is packed and full of stuff to take care of you. Mm-hmm. change of clothes and food and all that and physically you're up on your sleep your ducks are in a row and you're ready to go it is the worst to rush out the door to a birth feeling like you're leaving all kinds of balls hanging in the air yeah and being at that birth and it's like hour 12 knowing that you've left all you forgot to cancel that dentist appointment so now you can they're calling you but you can't answer and all of that kind of shit So get yourself organized so that if you've got one client a month, two clients a month, three clients a month, you are physically, emotionally, and mentally ready to go and serve that family. It will, and you will feel far more fulfilled at the end, instead of feeling like, oh my God, thank God this is over. Now I got to go home and take care of all the fires that I left burning. Yep. Don't do that to yourself. That is one of the big secrets to longevity in this business too. If you make it so that you don't always feel like you're putting out fires. And I know things come up that are sometimes like out of your control, but you know what? Truth is most of the time we can put 
the stove on the back burner, turn things down really low to simmer, yeah. and then come back casually and in a relaxed way to take care of it instead of, you know, the other way. That's it. That's my advice. Cool. I like that. Cool. Awesome. All right. Whose turn is it? Is it it's yours? My turn? Yeah. Okay. My second question I got from a client, uh, another, a client. A, another person, no, not a client. Um, uh, another mentee came in to me personally through Instagram. And the question is, where do new doulas look for support and networking? Like, where should they find that? And what features should they be looking for in this kind of support? See, these are questions that came from mentees. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a um, question that somebody who's brand new would ask of their mentor. Where right. should new doulas look to find support and networking and what features should they be looking for? Ugh, you know, I'm going to not Facebook. Um, not Facebook. <laughs> um, however, you can create on Facebook a group of all the people you, if they want to, um, keep in touch with those who you trained with. Not yeah, even that's, that's great, actually. Yeah. yeah. It could be your trainer included in that group, too, without requiring them to be a member. But your fellow doulas, you're all kind of in the same boat. So just starting with each other, often people come to it from come to birth work from different, you know, places in their life or different inspirations. And they might already have a small network because or they might have had a doula. So start within the people that you trained with. And you could and start so really geographically as well to doulas in your city or doulas in your town right? And just having that connection that way. It doesn't have to be an international doula Facebook page with, you know, 10,000 people on it. That yeah. might not be the most supportive place that you're going to find. We need, we need to be more encapsulated and, and, and talking to, you know, the people that are around us that are in the same, not just the same business or the same sort of general business. Um, but are actually close at hand, because let's be honest, you know, whoever is, you know, doing what their, their doula thing in Denmark, it's not going to have the same experiences as you in, you know, Boise, Idaho. I mean, there's two different things. There's yeah. apples and oranges. So look closer to home for that support. And I, I wouldn't write Facebook off there's a lot no, of, I, I mean, there is, and if, and if it's bullshit, <laughs> please understand. Yeah. Formulate your bullshit meter so that you can read the, <laughs> some of these Facebook groups are fucking wacko and full of nut jobs. You need to be able to know when to say, okay, this place, not for me, but there are also some really good, good gems of support on Facebook. And that's what you need to do is hone your skills to be able to tell what is good for you and what isn't. Whatever um, uniqueness you have. So if you're a full spectrum doula, is there a full spectrum doula support group on Facebook or Instagram, or even on uh, TikTok videos, you can watch doula TikTok and, and discern people from there and, and connect with them. I think social media at this point in our society is extremely valuable. Uh, it can be exhausting. It can be frustrating and infuriating too. So 
you got to know yourself and be really sophisticated about what you're looking for and what to discard and what to keep. Because isn't that the case? You do a Google search and you're going to hit up some real stupid websites. So you need to know how to discard them and distill your search down to things that, that, you know, speak, speak to you. So I would use social media, but I would be super discerning. Also set your own boundaries. I want maybe like two Facebook groups, one in my city and one, let's say you're going to find like a, a black doula support group in Toronto and um, a full spectrum doula support group in Toronto. That's it. And then maybe one on Instagram and a few follow a few people on TikTok, whatever you decide what your parameters are, how much support do you need? And the second part of the question was what features should you be looking for in any kind of support arena? Um, like no bullshit things that are crap look out for uh ideas people have that are um, that other people in the group are supporting get out of there quick quick so hone your bullshit meter is what i would say and just throw all that stuff out and what you're left with is what you choose from cultivate it very carefully because it can be overwhelming too much support is not good either so we had a we had Sandra on from um, Doula Canada recently, and mm -hmm. they, I believe, they offer an agent oh, for as much as they're a training body. I think also if you are a part of their training, that they offer ongoing community as well, both regional, like the it's worldwide, obviously, but they also offer regional groups of people. So they will put people together in online groups to support each other who regionally live in a in a place that you could actually meet up if wanted or back each other up they actually create subsets of people who live regionally close to each other so that you can create local communities mm -hmm. um, within i think it's all set up on their website they have like as opposed to facebook where things are hard to manage yeah um, or that you can literally just have your groups shut down on Facebook. You don't own your Facebook page. You don't own your Facebook group. They don't own any of that. Mark Zuckerberg can take it away from us at any given moment. So she, they actually have a web, an entire website that is designed as a community um, behind the scenes for all of their trainees. So thinking about who you train with can help you decide, can help create that too. So well before you even hit your training, you can decide to join a company that has that built in. Um, and then sometimes just make your own, literally start with making your own. Sometimes when you're first starting out, you can't necessarily afford a full on mentor, but I, I mean, do call around, find out what mentor fees are. What you might be able to do is create a subset with your group that you just trained with and have everybody go in on a speaker once a month on different pieces of building a business, building a doula business, where you might not be able to afford having a doula mentor the whole time. You could have, you could pay to have a doula mentor come and speak once a month to speak to something that's important for you, for that group of people that are just starting out. Um, and it's much more reasonable for everyone to go in on the speaker than it is for everyone to have a personal mentor. That's a good so idea. Make yeah. it work, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can have the, that topic be something very specific to where your group is at in building their business and getting their names out there. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. I think so. Um, who's next? Who's uh, next? I have a, hopefully a quick one. Um, this came through the email 
my dog is walking and I never clip his nails. Um, when we asked for topics from Claire with birth support, particularly virtual birth support, what are you sharing with your clients to move them toward labor? So in the last weeks of pregnancy, what are you talking to them about? What are you suggesting for them? So that maybe it doesn't come to an induction, but what are we, what kind of resources and, and stuff, I guess, are you talking to them about? Well, what I can say is with virtual support, right? That's what they're yeah, yeah. asking about. Yeah. Virtual yeah. support. I, um, in the last weeks of pregnancy, as we're getting closer to the due date, I am really, really working with that partner. If, if your client is including, is a partner, a couple, yeah. I'm really working with that partner. Uh, because if I'm not going to be there, they're going to be the one doing the bulk of like the in-person on hand like all of the in-person on-hand support, it's going to be up to them. I'm just going to be like a voice in their ear or a memory of something that I said, or maybe I'm on a FaceTime or WhatsApp video or something, but they're, they're it. They are, they're it. It's no longer like this tag team effort, like we would normally do if I was there. So I'm preparing the partner for that work. Cool. Carrying that work on their own. Yeah. What about you, Steph? That would, my answer is basically the exact same is really working through those communication pieces with the partners, um, knowing what certain things to look for, the, <laughs> the helping partners to understand that if they're yelled at, it's not um, their fault, it's clear communication. So really going through the, all the what to expects is a big part of it. How about you, Kim? Well, I mean, I sort of, when this question came up, I sort of, sort of was looking at it from like, almost like a day-to-day thing as opposed to like just the particular meetings that we have Mm -hmm. um because I did just have a client um last week and I realized sort of what you know after each in the last couple of weeks you know after each doctor's appointment you know what happened you know what's going on what's happening and really just encouraging them you know you know, oh yeah, your cervix isn't dilated. That's okay. It's not supposed to be. We're still moving in the in the right direction. Don't worry about it. And then the conversation with her in particular, the conversation came up that um, her partner or her mom actually had had a cesarean and her mother had had a cesarean and her mother kept talking to her about cesareans and to plan for cesarean. And it's probably going to be a cesarean and just dumping all those seeds of doubt into her fertile mind. It's like, oh, damn. So it was sort of trying to backtrack that to get her mind focused on vaginal birth and and to keep moving in that direction. Um, After another visit, it was like, yeah, we're, you know, we're a centimeter dilated or we're, you know, the cervix is softening, blah, blah, blah. So, but the doctor wants to do an induction okay, so now we need to talk about that. And we need to, you know, because we'd never talked about induction before, but she was over 40 weeks at this point. So it was just a matter of sort of rolling with what, and of course, after, after every sort of little text I would get, it would be like, okay, have lots of sex, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, You know, don't forget to go for your walks. Don't forget to stay well hydrated. Don't forget to, you know, X, Y, Z. Um, and then in her case, of course, when it came up that we were basically leaning, leaning, leaning towards an induction because of the timing of things, um, 
we had a, a third visit, which I don't normally do, but we had a third visit to talk about what to expect and, and, and what the induction process would look like. Because for the most part, they tell you you're having an induction, here's your date, and that's all the information you get. So there was that. But I mean, I was kind of, I was looking at this question thinking, you know, like, do you even interact with your clients in, a, in the final couple of weeks, not just in a formal meeting, but with texts and, you know, hey, this is what's happening. This is what I'm feeling. And what, what are you offering them as far as information goes? That's how I read the question. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And that all sounds good too. Yeah. Doulas are amazing. <laughs> We're literally the MacGyvers of the birth world. Like we just you have to be so ebb and flow and move and shift and change and pivot and all of that crap. Because I mean, let's be honest. I mean, when the pandemic hit, we pivoted the shit out of that, right? Yes, yep. we Because we had to. And because that's what we do. And we don't get, I, I didn't get, I mean, maybe for a brief moment, I got worried, but I didn't you know, fall apart and catastrophize everything. It was like, all right, this is, this is what's happening. All right. Let's work within this now, this new framework. Let's, let's figure out what's going on and let's, let's try and stay positive and let's try and move forward. I will admit today that last thread of it, of sanity is starting to fray, but, but, but I mean, we've been yeah. in a pandemic for two years now. <laughs> yes. Fair enough. Hmm. The world is going to war. So, you know, it's, it's a little, oh my God. Yeah, exactly. The last question, or at least I think it's the last question. One that yeah. I have here um, was, do you have a person in the birth world that you admire? Who is it and why? Like, do you have your own personal MacGyver um, or <laughs> guru or whatever you, or just someone who really you kind of look to? Hmm. Dead air, dead air. Um, okay, so I have somebody who is, uh, I mean, I admire Jay McGillivray. She's my, she's my, my mentor, my, not as a doula, but I mean, she does help me a lot to understand clinical things and sometimes um, wash clear my doula eyes because I'm so jaded <laughs> that I'm always like, why are they doing that? I don't think that's right. As far as I know, there's no reason to do that. And Jay will say, calm down, step off the ledge. Let me, let me explain to you why that might be necessary and so on. And she always manages to make me say, oh, oh yeah. Never thought of that before. I love people like that who do that for me. She's, she's, she's one of those people. She does that for me. I mean, she's not a birth worker. There's so many birth workers that I admire um one right now in particular who went through a very very difficult birth experience this week and handled it like oh my god like this is one's for the books as a doula here's what you do in this difficult situation the right words the right behavior the right everything um and that's Stacia Stewart I don't know if you guys know Stacia yeah I met her once from the OBDS and she just was amazing so hats off to her so that respect has gone right through the roof for how she managed that um 
Yeah, she was, I mean, sorry, Stacia is one of the members of the OBDS, but in this situation, she was operating as um, uh, a care provider from Okama. So it's she, that's how she was acting in that capacity as a doula from Okama, which we're both also a part of. And wow, she managed that situation like with grace and professionalism. So that's that's my new standard of, of doula behavior. I would be kicking and screaming, crying and yelling at people, but not Stacia. She doesn't do that. It's not her way. She's a, she's a beacon of, of like, of peace and calm and serenity. She meditates a lot. <laughs> so I appreciate that about her. Amazing. Mm-hmm. What about you, Steph? Um, well, for me, the first name that came to mind was Barbara Harper. And that was a relationship that all started off because I was a huge fan of water birth before I ever knew her. Um, and then I went to a training with her and she also casually said, well, I'm going to the Netherlands. Do you want to come? And <laughs> I think I came back and my, I just about imploded and I ran in the door and told Roger that uh, she also casually said, you're going to want to go to the Netherlands in fall. And uh, yeah, it was. And then I actually got to go traveling with her. And, you know, they always say, don't meet your heroes and shit. Well, much like you, you kind of describe as Jay, nothing rattles this person. When things get rough, when she was spoken to not so, not so politely, not so well, she just like seems to have some sort of a, bubble where what people are throwing at her she's able to take the edge off of it before what someone's actually looking for from her reaches mm-hmm. her and she'll speak back to it like so is this what information you're looking for what is it that we need to get out of this conversation um and she always speaks to someone no matter who it is as if you're on equal level she doesn't ever feel that someone is below her or above her everyone is just an exchange of energy between two people who both need to get something from the situation. And so you don't, as she had said before, you don't need to get rattled to get what you need. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you need to rattle people to get what you need, but you don't need to get rattled to get what you need. Um, and she speaks to that from a place of, of sometimes you gotta rock the boat, but know who's in it. Yeah. You know, there's things that need to get done. Um, And she's very pragmatic. So when we discussed things around getting water birth, getting people trained in water birth in different spaces, she is the queen of telling people, you have to be cautious. You have to be pragmatic. You have to understand that this is new to so many people. And so, yes, you are not going to storm the place and have a, a big water bowl full of unassisted birthing people. You're going to get someone comfortable with the fact that someone's birthing in water in their hospital and they've never seen it before. That's where you're going to start. And yes, if they're feeling nervous, you're going to alter that. You are going to work with the system you're in to create comfort. You can't just throw people into the deep end and expect them to be okay with everything. So she's also just very pragmatic about creating conversations and not jamming opinions down throats. And yeah. she's done that. She was doing that in Indonesia. She was doing that when there's this lovely video of someone like really questioning her 30 million with 30 million questions while someone's laboring in the water. And she just is acting like it's everything's fine. And she's, but everything's fine. Even though there was 30 million questions coming at her. 
um, from physicians who were all kind of really feeling uncomfortable with this whole someone birthing in water type thing. Uh, but uh, anyhow, yeah, Barbara Harper, she's a person and she's really cool to uh, share a bed with and how with until three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. How about you, Kim? I, I honestly don't know how to answer this question. Um, I mean, I definitely respect a lot of doulas out there, but I don't have a particular someone. If that's, I don't have a Jay, I don't have a Barbara Harper. I don't have anybody sort of like that in my life. Mm -hmm. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say anybody specific. That's okay. It's us. Yeah, sure. It's you guys. <laughs> I respect a lot of you guys. It. We'll take it. Sure. We'll take it. There you All right. go. All right. Yeah. Well, this was good. This was good. Thank you so much for sending in your questions and thank you and myself for uh, answering them so well. There you go. All right. So if we, we can do this again, if anybody has other questions that they want to ask us, if you're, you have anything you'd like to share or whatever, please feel free. You can reach out to us on Instagram um, through the messenger. You can Check us out on, uh, uh, don't do Twitter because I lost the Twitter thing. So I don't, 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 don't find us there. Um, you can email us. <laughs> We're on Facebook too. Um, you can email us uh, at the pragmatic doulas at gmail.com. And we will gather together more questions to answer at a later, later date. All right. Thank you so much to everyone. Absolutely. Thank you, Have everybody. Yes. Take care. I can't find the stop record button. Oh, here it is.